Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, all. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with you. And I want to remind you, this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. If you have issues, does not work, does not constitute working with a licensed mental health professional, then please seek one out in your area to work on your issues. So if you want listen to the way we ended this the last year with Wakanda Forever, we're back again for talking about Across the Spider-Verse. And, and I brought back in once more one of, one of my fellow blurds in the process, Mercedes Samudio. And just a reminder for those of you who haven't listened to the other episodes with him, Mercedes Samudio is a licensed clinical social worker, best-selling author, international speaker, and visionary entrepreneur. She works with parents around the world in developing a healthy parental identity with their revolutionary, with her revolutionary uh, parental identity development model and incorporating her shame-proof parenting philosophy to help reduce the shame parents experience as they raise healthy children. Mercedes is also trained in trauma-informed modalities, which she, she uses in her work with parents to help them heal the past traumas that can influence the way Parents interact with their children and themselves. Outside of her personal life, she supports her parents. Mercedes is married to her best friend and soulmate, and they live in sunny Southern California with their three furry kids, two cats, and a dog. If you'd like to learn more about her work, check out shameproofparenting.com. So welcome back, Mercedes. Hey, thank you so much for having me back. I love talking about nerd stuff here with you. It's so fun. Definitely. And we're going to talk about the new Spider-Man movie and across the Spider-Verse, which is one of the Miles Morales ones, as opposed to the Peter Parker ones, which we also know there's another one of those coming up soon, uh, which finally, I think, fixes the aspect of the Venom universe. But uh, but that's an entirely different other ball of wax to go into. <laughs> and uh <laughs> And I'm sure also to all the others out there, we probably would have should have had this out earlier in the month, but, uh, you know, work schedules and all of that, we're going to have it out here at the beginning of July. So. But that works because it gives people time to watch it so we don't spoil anything and kind of talk about it a little more openly. It kind of works. Oh, very much so. So I got a chance to see it last, uh, last week. How about for you? I think I saw it like, if not opening weekend, probably like a couple of days afterwards for sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So let's get into it. What are your thoughts about this latest installment of Miles' journey as a Spider-Man or Spider-Person, I should say? Yeah, I'd say like overall, I was mm -hmm. like in love with it. I thought it was amazing. I went into it. <clears throat> number one, I didn't go back and watch the first one because mm -hmm. I just kind of I remembered it. I've seen the first one so many times. I was like, I just don't want to go into this one as is. Mm -hmm. And I'm really happy that I did that because it allowed me to really just experience this one as its own movie, even though I know it's like the continuation. I'm like, I could just experience it as its own 
separate movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even know that it was going to end on a cliffhanger. So even that made me even more invested in kind of what was happening. And so I'd say like overall, if we're doing like thumbs up stars, I'm like two thumbs up, five out of five stars. I think it is exactly what everyone keeps saying about it. It's a really amazing entry into this franchise, but like just a great Spider-Man movie in general. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, just sticking with all the tropes. I know when I first started watching, it's like, wait a minute, why are we hearing so much from Gwen? And then we moved mm-hmm. to Miles. But I mean, she was also one of the central characters and very much loved how she decorated her, her bedroom uh as well but there was also that significance to it but i think one of the biggest things that i did notice as a theme that was starting to be suggested in the first movie but it was very much carried over here is how many of the spider persons i'm going to use that more generically feel alone in their universes yeah yeah that's a very like salient theme isn't it in in, like the spider lore if you were a Spider-Man lore, like this idea that I'm by myself or that no one understands the types of decisions or the weight of mm-hmm. my decisions or the weight of my responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. I think you're right about that. Like it is very much like a thing, a thing mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, because I mean, that comes up very, very much as we start hearing Gwen's story. And then we start, and with something that was even being mentioned by the other universe, Peter, when he first realizes Miles is there and you're there, vibing off of each other to what we start seeing with all the various spider persons in their headquarters in 2099. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was something that's really interesting too, that you're bringing up that like out of all of them, there's this central theme of I'm alone and no one understands me. Even Mm -hmm. when they get into this headquarters, they're all very like, I'm alone, I'm by myself. Like that one who was sitting there in the therapy who was like, man, like, I just feel like it's all me. Mm-hmm. He's sitting there with another Spider-Man and then like all these other ones jump through and you're like, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like a theme here. Which also then just brings to the, the fact that we've got spider, we've got spider, we've got a spider therapist here. Spider-Man therapist, exactly. <laughs> Who's helping him process Uncle Ben's death, I think, awesome. by the way. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think you all kind of have an issue here. And it's kind of funny how it all coalesces into this story of, well, we're all alone, except for we're not, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I feel like happened in the first movie, where, like, yep. they were all together, but very separate but coming together at the end to realize like they actually do like Miles. Miles is really a part of them. And then kind of this movie doing the exact same thing where they leave Miles out again. And he has to, pr- mm-hmm. wow, that's something I just realized he has to prove again. No, I'm part of this whole spider thing. Mm-hmm. And what just, what just like bugged for me was that right. he is the, uh, you know, the only black Spider-Man that in the first one had to really prove Mm-hmm. Hello, and then the second one had to prove hello again i would like to be a part of the spider man burst thing that you're doing here the spider people thing here right it's right. so just an interesting light bulb that just came up as i was talking which especially considering that there is both spider bite and uh jessica oh. a black version of jessica drew aka spider woman as well thank you thank you i'm all over here like okay the first one he was by himself you're right this one he has two other folks thank you mm-hmm. thank you 
And then, of course, Hobie Brown, Spider-Punk. Um, I'm going to leave him over here for a minute because he deserves his own part of this conversation. Oh, definitely. I will rectify, I will rectify when I said the only Black one I met, like, in that first one. He yeah, was, yeah, he no. like, introduces that. Sorry. I just want to clarify. No, no. recording I, purposes. <laughs> yeah, fully agree with you. Fully agree with you. Which is also one of the things, too, with what we're seeing in the second one is even though the shit's going down uh, with this whole aspect of their universes connected, it is on some level, the black characters that are supporting miles much more so than any of the others. Fair. Fair. Even if they can't do it openly. Fair. They're doing it covertly. Huh. I love that. Spider bite could have triggered the shutdown, but in looking in that eyes and that un- that understanding, she hesitated. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and even even Drew, Jessica Drew kind of did it through mm-hmm. Gwen. She like helped through kind of through Gwen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Very much so. When and this was something that was pointed. That was also something that was pointed out by another uh, podcaster talking about the aspect of. The, that aspect of these were the, those black characters and other spider persons who offered, even though it was sometimes very covert aid, they offered the aid that wasn't being offered by the rest of the identifying Spider-Man. And when we, and when you think about this kind of idea, and this is something that I kind of appreciate, I'll bring Hobie in. Mm-hmm. He's super against this whole establishment. Super <laughs> mm-hmm. against whatever this is that they're trying to do, like, and I, and I kind of appreciate you bringing this in because then you have these different ideologies mm-hmm. that I think also when we're talking about representation. That's something that I love. So you got this punk rock guy who's like really cool and really badass, and it's like you know, screw the establishment, right? And he's this black guy, right? But then mm-hmm. like, so you have Spider Bite that that's techie, right? Very techie girl, kind of her whole universe is very is, tech yeah, and computer, tech. right? And then you've got uh, Spider-Woman, right? Jessica Drew mm-hmm. is like a whole adult. Like she's got a family and she's out here doing her job and this is her job and she goes back to her reality. And mm-hmm. so then you have Miles, who is this young man, right? He's like this young adult trying to figure out his life. And so I just really actually appreciated having all of this representation, right? Mm-hmm. Where a lot of times Black characters tend to get troped right? Mm-hmm. Or othered, right? But these characters are all so full and vibrant. And I don't mean that because mm-hmm. the way they're drawn, <laughs> the actual personalities and right. their motivations and what they're doing, even with, with what you're sharing about the covert help, right? About Hobie actually giving them the, the, brace the band, the the right? So they can go back and, and save him, right? And connect with him. And then, you know, Jessica kind of continuing to help Gwen pull mm-hmm miles in because she's asking right even those covert things i think kind of go into some of these ideas about what it means to be black or african-american in the world mm-hmm. and how sometimes even amongst all of this we're not able to show up as vibrantly mm-hmm. this movie we are like in this in this representation we are really vibrant right and mm-hmm. really three-dimensional and really aware of our own motivations and our own feelings. And so I just kind of appreciate that this continues to happen in in our creative spaces 
pop culture spaces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which this it? is, yeah. Which is this is also one of the ones that we get uh, to hear, even with what his mom says before he goes after Gwen. That's not a message that you usually get to hear in any of the other variety. Not even talking about some geekdom movies of talking about black parenthood or latin or afro uh, diasporic parenthood yeah yeah i i actually really appreciate that too their relationships um are really healthy right and i don't mean perfect i don't mean good Mm -hmm. they're just healthy right watching them try to figure out how do we hold on to our young man who is obviously growing up growing up and like living his whole life right even um i love the retirement scene how vulnerable his parents are right Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out how do we manage this young man right how do Mm -hmm. we hold him right i just love the vulnerability in those these parents i love the vulnerability in this you know black dad right Mm -hmm. this latina mom who again those stereotypes tend to be different Right. Mm-hmm. And so to see that softness, to see those three-dimensional parents try to figure out, we're not just gonna they yell because they're human and they're they're concerned, but mm-hmm. to even watch them go through, well, maybe we shouldn't have yelled and oh, that wasn't the right way to deal with that. And to watch oh. them manage that is healthy, right? It's that healthy family dynamic that you're right, we don't often see. Well, and to that same then is the aspect of the two of them having a parenting discussion. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. And it's not just like one of them, one of them is setting the rules and the other one's got to follow. It's like, no, they're actually having a discussion about what it is and taking also the other's uh, issue when, yeah, someone took them off grounding. Yes. Yes. But I think <laughs> exactly. two to that standpoint is also the beauty of the conversation that Miles and his father have, even though his father doesn't realize he's talking to his son, he knows he's talking to Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 And I love that that Miles has his dad. Not only does the Peters, the Peters don't have their dad, they don't have their uncle either. So a lot Mm -hmm. of these Peters grow up kind of figuring out what it means to be a man or be, you know, what that means to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have this Miles who not only has his dad gets to have these type of moments, right? Again, like he, Mm -hmm. you know, his dad has no idea, but he gets to have this moment of man, you know, ease up on your son and, you know, he's doing his best, (laughs) you know, and I kind of Mm -hmm. appreciate it because I think, again, when we go back to representation, healthy portrayals, portrayals that we're not pointing out, we're just watching a father and a son. But to know that it's a black father and his Afro-Latino son, you know, or a Latinx son, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is something that people don't just see. It's not just commonplace. It's not mm-hmm. just something that people are used to, right? It dispels and kind of gives some weight to some of the stereotypes of, oh, yeah, this is just how black dads are. Oh, yeah, this is just how, you know, young black boys are. And it's like, well, here's another image for you. To put mm-hmm. in with all of that other kind of junk and stuff that you continue to recycle. Here's another image for you. And so I love those scenes when that gets to happen in this movie because it just shows another image for you. Just to, here's something else to think about. Here's another way to see this relationship or this this dynamic, you know? Mm-hmm. Very much so. There's also an interesting aspect too in looking at again, we're by this point, you've probably all seen the movie. Dealing with the aspect of the what was brought up about this canon event, and yeah. what does it mean, especially in that relation of okay, it was 
not an Uncle Ben, it was Uncle Aaron that died in this universe. Um, although, let's segue for a moment from that over to talk about one of the other major characters in this, which was Miguel O'Hare, who is bringing very much our Latin uh, Spider-Man. Not to mention, we also have our Indian Spider-Man. Loved him. Um, That's great. He's great. Traffic. This is my traffic. This is my traffic. Here's also traffic. I'm just- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But not because I've been there, but because I'm like, I understand. Like, if mm-hmm. we're here, you'd be like, here's my traffic. Also, here's our traffic. <laughs> you know, very relatable. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. But also that aspect of here is also our a Latin, full Latin representation, or shall we say the Latin Euro comes into with the last name of like O'Hara, but also the massive amount of guilt he's walking around with and clearly not sitting down with spider therapist. Right. right. Staying away from spider therapist, obviously. And I love these two ideas that are being introduced into just like the narrative because mm-hmm. I think there is, and, and I'm just being nerd here. If you think about mm-hmm. like flashpoint, the whole idea of flash and flash right. is like, if I go back and change this canon a bit, then I'll come back and everything will be nice. And it's like, mm, mm. that nope. doesn't happen. That's not how it works. And mm-hmm. so I think this is what Miguel is talking about, right? This is what Miguel is trying to say. Like, I agree. It's this is horrible. This canon event sucks, but it's also, it changes the fabric of everything, not just you and your partner or you and your parent or you and your child. It changes the fabric of everything. Mm-hmm. And so then you have this character that did that. Miguel mm-hmm. did that. He went back and changed a whole thing just so he could be a dad and enjoy the, the idea of being you know, a dad and having a family. And so think about mm-hmm. that one decision and how it changed the whole universe. It changed you know, the fabric of kind of the, the spider mm-hmm. verse, if you will. And now he's got to deal with that. That's him. Now that's his whole thing. Which then also brings up just something that, and if, you, if you're a geek that has spent any time looking, especially in the multitude of different genres out there that deal with multiple universes is like so what about all because of multiverse theory is that a, just a different decision happened in a different universe so what about all these other universes where a spider never got mutated why aren't those universes falling apart why is it just these universes that have spider people in them and from the sounds of it and as we begin to see, when we inter- were introduced to the Prowler version of Miles, this universe is stable. Ish. Yeah, well, it's stable-ish, but it's not falling apart like uh, Indian Spider-Man's universe is something happened. Now, the other thought that also comes to mind here is, you did just have a massive super collider powered up in this universe. There's another thing that could be causing this destabilization, not Miles saving who he did. Right. Right. And now you're bringing in plot holes, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like as you were talking, my brain was doing like that meme where it's like all the equations started happening. Right. Because I actually agree with you on that. When you start like actually pulling apart multiverse theory, actually mm-hmm. starts to fall apart yeah right it's it, and i say this as someone who we're, we're kind of diving into like the mental and emotional health of like what what this is if you kind of look at this as decisions and this bigger like kind of just decision tree that's mm-hmm. kind of how i feel like multiverse 
stories are. They're very motif-like. They're very, like, they're trying to be illustrative or what's the word I'm looking for? Metaphorical, Mm -hmm. right? It's metaphorical. Nerdness. Oh, yeah. Um, But (laughs) um, but I think that's something that when I'm looking at the Spider-Verse stuff, it's very much like that, where because of this decision, all these other things happen. And then this Mm -hmm. decision, all these things happen. It's something that I think a lot of times our clients are working through, where what happens to me when I make a decision? There's Mm -hmm. fear here because on the other side of that decision is a whole labyrinth of other Mm -hmm. choices. And when I look at, you know, what Miles decides to do, Miles decides to help, right? Because that Mm -hmm. was his choice. Um, I think about even what Miguel decides to do. Miguel decides to stay and have a family. He knows that this probably isn't the right thing to do, right? It's like all of these choices matter. And so for Mm -hmm. me, the way that I manage all of that is that the multiverse is full of choices. The ones that are going to mess up the multiverse as well as the ones that are going to keep it stable. That's how it works. It's a very uh, Mm -hmm. tenant-based idea for me where it's very circular, where Miguel has to do what he did so that way all of this happens. And then uh, Miles has to do what he does so all this happens. And then, you know, we haven't even talked about if any of this messes up the actual MCU because in this movie, they mentioned Doctor Strange and Tom Holland's you know, Spider-Man uh, and what they do. So it's like, well, does mm-hmm. this now have an effect on MCUs? Mm-hmm. Right? And so for me, it just feels very circular that I think this is what we teach our clients that like decisions, they just kind of keep going. There's no like, I've made the decision, we're done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in, this, in, in the multiverse, I think the way that we do that metaphorically, if I can bring myself back to a, t- a non-tangential idea is that this, this multiverse that is being created is very circular to me, that it happens because it has to happen. And this happens because it has to happen. Even as the characters fret about we've messed up, there's this larger mm-hmm. idea of, well, you have mm-hmm. to mess up in right. order which, for the, the falling action to begin, you know? Which Did I mind comes... you over enough there for that? <laughs> no, no, no. Because, But uh, on another level to that, one, of course, we're looking at where they get their sort of canon event idea but what yes. we're also seeing yes. with what you brought up is the struggle that often happens especially with as we move from kids into teenagers young adults is moving away from black and white thinking yes moving into gray thinking and the realizing that there's a lot more of gray in the universe than it is just purely black and white yes and yes. that anxiety you're hitting about the aspect of this spider web of possibilities and choices and outcomes is about that gray thinking in that aspect of it isn't just yes no black white i'm the good guy i'm the bad guy which is a very poignant thing that he says just before he gets sent off to the universe of 42 is we're supposed to be the good guys and there's that classic statement which i know is seen in i forget which of the batman that was a chris chris bale one where he said if you live long enough, you go from being the good guy into being the villain of the story, yeah, which yeah, Miguel right. has moved from being the good guy in the story to being the villain in his struggle to try and repair what's happened with the multiverse collision, which came right. from, again, a super collider going off to destabilize the universal walls. Right. And if you realize it, I think this is something that we're noticing in our narratives now, what mm-hmm. you just shared. 
going back to representation, back in the day, it was very black and white. Everything was good guy, bad guy, right, wrong, left, right. Even movies, right? Uh, my husband and I have been kind of going backwards and watching Alfred Hitchcock stuff. So we like watch like Dial M for Murder and Strangers mm-hmm. on the Train. And those are all very, outside of being color scheme, black and white, they also are very black and white. There's a bad guy. There's a good mm-hmm. guy. You know this. You know what they're supposed to do. It's very beat for beat. Back mm-hmm. then, that was just it, right? But now that black and white thinking actually stops people from being able to critically understand reality because mm-hmm. it's like either you're good or you're bad based on mm-hmm. what. And so when you look at now, our, our movies are giving our villains a lot more depth, right? Like you just said with Miguel O'Hara, he's not just a bad guy. He's this guy who literally made a decision. And because of that decision, he's got to now try to rectify it. And so he spends mm-hmm. most of his time trying to control everything mm-hmm. right, to rectify his decision and hold his mm-hmm. guilt, right? Same as Kane, right? Kane, he is trying to hold everything together, right? All the timelines must be together, right? Thanos, mm-hmm. same thing, right? Trauma, I got to make sure that resources don't go away again. What can I do? You know, snap mm-hmm. away half of the universe, right? And so you see now that we've got villains that their motivation isn't just, ha, 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 I'm going to take over the world. But they really have this pain, this trauma mm-hmm. that makes them feel like, if I don't control this something bad's going to happen again, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a really interesting motif that we're starting to see. And I love that it's happening even in Spider-Man, you know, Sp- you know Spider-Man you know, across the universe, because kids mm-hmm. are watching this, right? Kids are trying to figure out how do I navigate right and wrong? And you've got characters that are not like, this is right and this is wrong. You've got characters that are struggling with something bad happened to me. Mm-hmm. How do I deal with that? Do I get mm-hmm. rigid and try to stop it from happening again? You know, do I go back in time like the Flash and try to save my mom so it never happens? I never have to deal with my family being torn apart? Mm-hmm. Or do I learn how to manage the fact that this happened to me? My mom was murdered. My dad went to jail for it. And now I've got to live with it. Mm-hmm. How? Right? So when you look at Flashpoint, it's still going with that narrative, right? I haven't seen it. I won't judge yeah, it. I know, I know the actual Flashpoint story, so I'm just going based on the Flashpoint story, not the new mm-hmm. movie. But if we look at the Miles Morales kind of story and some of the other villains, these villains and, 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 and even heroes are having to really sit with their decisions, right? It's not just, I'm the good guy. I made the right decision. Or I'm the bad guy. Ah, ha, ha, ha. People are like, well, I don't, well... And so I love your point to just kind of bring it back to that's why I think it's important that Miles gets to see what happens when someone has another life, right? He sees mm-hmm. another version of himself, right? That didn't get to be Spider-Man, that lost a lot. Yeah, with the loss of his living father. a different life. Yeah, he's, he's living because, a different life, right? Because yeah, <laughs> right? he's got a yeah, different life and an entirely different influence pattern with having Aaron, who was considered the criminal in the family, being that now de facto male lead, and how did that move him to even to the standpoint of the differences in his hairstyle too? Yeah, yeah. Didn't you notice that? That was so funny. We're like, hey man, you cut your hair. What happened? Where's your hair? And I was trying no, no, to figure asked, out so where's your braids? universe. Are, yeah, where's your braids? And I'm like, oh no, I think he's in the wrong universe. <laughs> I felt that. I was like, uh oh, this is a different Miles that they're expecting here. And I'm listening to you say that, and I'm like, yeah. So you have this Miles that comes from having a family, that comes from having his dad. He's lost his uncle, but like he's mm-hmm. kind of dealt with that a little bit and has kind of moved through some of that grief. 
Mm-hmm. Right. He, if you notice, he kind of added his uncle to the mural. Uh, I said mm-hmm. the mural and uh, Gwen and stuff. So it's like he's dealt with some of it, not all of it. And then mm-hmm. he gets to meet this Miles who lost his dad. And there was mm-hmm. nothing he could do about it. He wasn't Spider-Man. He didn't have any powers. He just had to, it had to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is a world without a Spider-Man in general. So what? And the circumstances of what caused his father to be killed. What and there is also that still the classic thing that even comes back with our villain of the spot of who created who first. Ooh, I love his his uh, origin story though. I love that he's the guy who got hit with the bagel from the first movie. Like I just mm-hmm. love that <laughs> because I think it goes back to what we just said. There's some things you just you have no idea mm-hmm. that have started a whole trajectory. So. If we look at Miles' story, right, he was getting mentored at that moment, right? Peter B. Parker was teaching him how to be Mm -hmm. Spider-Man in that moment. So they just threw a bagel and kept moving, right? And that started Mm -hmm. something that now they're both having to deal with. But in reality, it started with that scientist who, working for Kingpin, pulled the spider out. And it's like, no, he had no idea that this spider was the spider that was going to create a Spider-Man in that universe. I have a question. Thank you for mm-hmm. going to this discussion. I have a question now. Yeah. He pulled the 42 spider mm-hmm. out of someone else's universe into mm-hmm. the Peter B. Parker in, universe. Into the, yeah, the one that the Spider-Man that dies in the first yes. movie. Okay, so not, not, okay, so Peter B. Parker is another universe. In mm-hmm. Miles Morales' universe, he mm-hmm. loses his Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. That is the universe that his scientist brings. He takes the spider and brings it into Miles' universe. Mm-hmm. Right, because the other uh, Peter B. Parker is expecting Doc Ock to be a man, and instead it's yeah. a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes. okay, had that scientist, now. yeah, had that scientist not brought that spider, which is also one of the big points that uh, uh, Miguel brings up, yes. Miles wouldn't have gotten his powers. There would the likelihood of that yes. P, that P universe's Peter, that other universe's Peter would have been bitten by that spider. Yes, that makes sense. That part makes sense. I was just asking about mm-hmm. the spot, right? So yeah. he is the scientist that took the 42 spider out of the 42 universe and put it in Miles's universe. Mm-hmm. And he is the one who is working on the collider. Yes, yes. That Kingpin was using to, that destabilized all the universal walls. Correct, 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 and correct. Yes. So really, because of that standpoint, is like it's not he. Miles didn't really create him; he created himself by yes, performing yes. that experiment. Which is the continual standpoint of you don't know what's going to happen with these circumstances, how they're going yeah. to propagate in the ripples, and that's also something as we as therapists also deal with in the standpoint. We work with a client, especially to say one that was in uh, school and so forth. And we, at the end of the school year, have to say goodbye to them because we're moving on, they're moving on. And we have no idea what type of ripple effect that has happened with their lives. I agree with you on that. And I kind of love that, that tie-in because what I was doing is you were kind of giving me another, another understanding of that trajectory, that origin I was actually thinking exactly where you took us to, which is this is a lot of what we do with our clients, which is they come in and they give us kind of where they are at that moment. 
we mm. work with them, not knowing kind of what happened before. And like you said, at the end of whatever it is, not always knowing what's going to happen next and hoping mm-hmm. that whatever chunk we've given them will support them moving forward. And so I was, look, I was thinking about how for this person, that's kind of what he keeps wanting, support. He wants mm-hmm. to be acknowledged. <laughs> he wants people to understand that he's a great scientist, that he knows what he's doing. Like just all of his mm-hmm. motivations feel very much like working with someone through treatment, right? Helping them understand who they are and helping them understand what they're doing, even helping them understand their own motivations for why they want to be this person, why they want to be who they are. And so you're giving me the, the whole trajectory of me actually understanding where in this story, the spot kind of does have his moment of kind of mm. turning. I realized, why well, it wasn't the bagel. So thank you, because that mm. was my trajectory. I was like, oh, there was another yeah. trajectory here that I was missing. So thank and, you. And he's thank also you. dealing with the issue of isolation as well, too. Yes. 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 So that is, for all of these characters, even their villain, there is an issue of isolation. Yeah. And what that does, how that, how that creates this whole black hole that he ends up kind of becoming. Mm-hmm. Right? This huge, he just kind of, wow, metaphorically kind of goes into himself. <laughs> you know, it's which, like, yeah. Which he accidentally does, which sets yeah. so much more of this off in, yeah. in sequence. So yeah. there's so much a metaphor for dealing with mental health and depression, loneliness. Yes. Yes. At the very core of all of this. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sitting with that. Because, I mean, you know, again, if you've seen it, his, that whole scene, as he notices that he's going into himself and mm-hmm. has lost all of this and has no ground, really, is what I was noticing, and, you know, as a therapist, you're watching it as mm-hmm. a nerd, but you're also like, oh, man, this, somebody help him. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like you notice that he's getting to this place where it's like, yeah, he has no ground. I don't, there's, I don't know where I am anymore in this universe. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he pokes his head through like a real universe and is like, where am I? He just kind of gets lost. And when you're talking about that metaphor for mental and, and emotional kind of wellness in that, in that journey, that's how it can feel sometimes. Like you just get really lost and you have no ground, right? Where mm-hmm. is it? Where do I find my footing? Where do I find who I am? Where do I find just me? And so mm-hmm. realizing that at the end for the spot where he is, is this, this black hole, right? Kind of this, this nothing, there's no beginning or end to him. And so how mm-hmm. does he find his way back, whatever that looks like? Mm-hmm. But it's paralleled with Miles, who's also not in a black hole, but somewhere else. And it's like, how does he find his way back? Right? Mm-hmm. How does he figure out how to get back to mm-hmm. his home universe, his home people, Right. And just really appreciate that metaphor that we end the movie with in terms of what happens with our mental and emotional wellness when we get so lost. We don't mm-hmm. know who we are anymore. We don't know what that is for both the villain and the hero. If we're doing that great area, neither mm-hmm. of them are in a great place at mm-hmm. the end of it. They're both very lost, so to speak. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what oh, yeah. And I think that's a good place to let, to let our, from that all of our listeners sort of take a moment and sink in on all of that and start figuring out where they are when they're sitting in that black spot of themselves and what they're seeing here. So stay tuned. We'll be back for the second half as we continue our discuss of uh, Miles Morales across the Spider-Verse. Here on Untying Knots, I'm Perry Clark. 
And I'm here with Mercedes Nassamudio. So stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Welcome back, folks, to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with Mercedes Samudio, licensed clinical social worker. And we're discussing in our blurredom, as well as our professionalisms, uh, about the recent Spider-Man movie, Across the Spider-Verse, which focuses on the Spider-Man, our Spider-Person, of Miles Morales. So... Piggybacking off what I was saying earlier about what we do with being counselors in school and so forth, uh, one of the things that comes in there is also a meeting with the guidance counselor at his school. And there's a very significant moment as everyone's racing, as both father and son in their own way are racing off to go deal with uh, the spot. The guidance counselor says to, to the mom, he's lying to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I love her. That whole scene, I think, is actually mm-hmm. really good because, again, we're talking about the guidance counselor. She mentions a lot about who Miles is to them. Right. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. very aware, very aware. But I love what you said that as all of the commotion is over and the mom is just kind of there contemplating that both her son and her husband have just kind of left her there, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> at this guidance counselor meeting that for her to say he's lying to you. Mm-hmm. She does not stipulate who, mm-hmm. right? They both use he, him. They both kind of are cis-identified. So it's he's lying to you. And I kind of appreciate mm-hmm. like who, which one of them, right? Which one of them is lying? Who is it telling the truth about their commitment level or where they are, their presence or their ability or their to stay discomfort. there? Or their discomfort, right? And so I like that because it opens up even more discussion about representation. Who do you think? The guidance counselor is talking to about, mm-hmm. right? Is it the dad who is kind of dealing with his own identity stuff and managing his stuff as a dad, as a cop, and as a father, and as a you know, husband? But then also you've got actual Miles Morales, who is Spider-Man, who literally is not telling his parents <laughs> what's going mm-hmm. on, right? Mm-hmm. And I just appreciate that because it doesn't 
decide for the audience or even for the the character, the mom, what's going on is just something to be aware of. He's lying to you, right? Although I think, awareness up for you. I think there is a point where she says her your son is lying to you. But all right, all, I'll give it to you. But, I'll give it but, to you. I was going off on my own. No, 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 no. I think you're right to you. too, because until the guidance counselor provides that clarification. Even the mom is wondering just that. But the thing is, it's also true about the husband, even if the guidance counselor is only immediately only talking about Miles. They're both not telling the truth. Right, 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 right. And I think we talked about it in the first half. uh, That Mm -hmm. leads them to having that discussion when they're on the uh, Mm -hmm. balcony, whatever, trying Mm -hmm. to deal with the spot that Miles as Spider-Man is talking to his dad, like ease up. Mm -hmm. But then the dad is talking about, well, like, it's hard. I'm trying to be a good dad. I'm trying to make sure he's okay. You know, so it's Mm -hmm. it's like, I I just kind of appreciate that. Again, I want to bring up that vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. That vulnerability in these two men Right. One's a younger man, one's an older man. They both identify as black in, in their pieces of their identity that they're struggling with. How do we manage this? How do I manage this young man who's growing up in front of me? How does he, as a dad, even manage his own life stuff? He gets promoted in the movie. He's dealing with what that mm-hmm. means to have to deal with, you know, that level of responsibility. And so I just appreciate that these discussions are happening and they're happening as part of the story. We're not having a very special moment, you know, mm-hmm. it's actually happening. And so not to get away from the guidance counselor piece. I like that. Right. I like that the guidance counselors, Hey, wake up. Like something's happening. Mm-hmm. Pay attention. Someone's lying to you here. But then when the two young men or when the two men get to each other, they also are kind of playing a bit of a dance Right. Like he's obviously not telling his dad. His dad is obviously not going to share. But there's a lot of this. I want to say lying, even though that's the word that the guidance counselor uses. But I think there's a lot of how do I navigate this relationship, this dynamic? And so everyone Mm -hmm. is doing that by kind of hiding behind what everyone else thinks. You think I'm going to school every day. You think I'm doing good at the job. You think. I'm a great mom who's doing everything and keeping it together, right? Everyone thinks the other one's okay. Yeah, they're fine. Mm-hmm. Which then, also allows us to flip into that when we see what happens with Gwen and her father. Yeah, where there's that, everything is not okay in that relationship. Which they're dealing with the aspect of in Gwen's universe, Peter became the lizard and yeah. died compared yeah, to what happens in Peter's universe where. Lizard keeps getting resurrected as Dr. Connors. But this right. aspect, but the biggest thing that comes up with him is the aspect, yeah, and adds to her sense of being alone. She can't tell her dad she's Spider-Woman or Spider-Gwen, as we know her. Yeah, yeah. And how that wrecks their kind of relationship too, right? That that not being able to talk about things. Um, I would even, even say with this dad, he also has a level of discomfort because he gets... <clears throat> very preoccupied with finding the guy who, mm-hmm. hurt, you know, he knew this kid, he knew Peter, mm-hmm. he knew who this young man was. He didn't know what ended up happening and all that or how all that happened. Mm-hmm. But he knew that they were close. He used to eat dinner with them. He used to be mm-hmm. part of their family. Right. And so mm-hmm. his, the dad gets preoccupied with trying to solve that crime. Obviously mm-hmm. he has no idea that his daughter is the vigilante that he thinks has done it. Right. And kind of how that, that masking or that hiding Mm-hmm. this family right well, and what happens there in many ways he's kind of the 
let's call it the shadow to uh, Miguel. They're so mm-hmm. wrapped up in that aspect of Miguel's got to make up for what he what happened when he popped universes. And Gwen's dad has got to be so aspect of he's got to get justice, what he believes is justice, for this kid that was so much like his own son. Yeah. And yeah. his and we can even just briefly briefly touch on that one. The reason Peter was so willing to take the lizard formula was because he was dealing with being bullied. Yeah. Oof. The depth of that. And yeah. its own correlations to what we've seen with so we sadly mass school shootings by students who have been bullied by their peers, by their teachers, by the entire educational system as it is. Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate that aspect too, because again, I think it just links to what we were talking about in the second half, that in this movie and in a lot of our newer comic book spaces, we're looking at villains not being these just bad guys, like he wasn't a bad guy. He was really trying to protect himself and, and survive, Right. Mm-hmm. And then we look at all of these kind of other decisions, like even the decisions that the dad makes. If he's not a bad guy, he's looking for justice. Right. And then even the decisions that that Gwen ends up making. She's not like a troubled teenager. She's really trying to actually help. You know, mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and but then you realize here that there's that gray. There's no right or wrong here. Everyone really mm-hmm. is doing what they think is the best thing to do here. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Uh, like that uh, juxtaposition, if you will, with Miles, because even mm-hmm. in their relationship, Gwen spends a lot of time away from him because he seems to have the family and the friends and the this and the that, mm-hmm. right? And so I even realized that in their relationship, their masking keeps them from being able to be honest with each other because she feels like he's better off and doesn't need all of this trauma and her life is horrible where he is like, no, like I want to be a part of this. You know, why does everyone think I'm so great? I, I, I can be strong, right? Mm -hmm. I can help with everybody. And so I just appreciate these constant reminders that like when we're not being authentic, when we're not being honest, when we're not communicating, look at how much happens, right? Mm -hmm. Because someone thinks that's what happened. And I know for a fact, certainly this is what's going on, Mm -hmm. right? When we look at our clients and and when we're working through mental mental health, I believe you can say mental wellness, it's like, yeah, we're not communicating or showing up as our best selves, lots of things get lost in translation mm-hmm. lots of things right and, and that's, that's i think reflected in all of these examples that we yeah. keep bringing up with the spider yeah. people and their decisions well and to the fact that gwen is repeating the same decision she made with her universe's peter with withholding uh-huh. and not recognizing what's going on with miles and yeah. why a decision such that you've brought to him which let's be frank, is a giant hero's dilemma as opposed to the smaller classic one of rescue the people in the tram or save this individual over here. Rescue the tram or save that individual. It's still the same thing of is Miles going to save the individual that is dead or save the entire Spider-Verse, which is made up of all these other people, the good of the one versus the good of the many. And that is I would say at its core is the hero's dilemma. And so that came up in the standpoint of, oh, yeah, you've got another canon event going on. It's just the scale is so large, your sensors aren't tripping. Right. 
Right. And I think that's a really great metaphor for how we kind of navigate our world that we're really just kind of looking at these really small events and not realizing that there's some bigger kind of things going on here. Um, Mm -hmm. As you were sharing that, and I was thinking, yeah, like we're not paying attention to these bigger issues. We're not paying attention to a lot of times it is very small, right? Like, Mm -hmm. am I going to do this? Am I going to do this? Right. I was also thinking as we're talking about mental and emotional wellness developmentally, how old these kids are, right? Mm -hmm. It's about Miguel, but you think about teenagers and how their ideas are very self-centered, they're kind of into themselves, right? That's exactly the type of decisions that Gwen, Miles, right, are making, right? Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, it ends up being the the type of decision most spider people make because when they Mm -hmm. get bit, they're usually teenagers, Right. Right. They don't get bit in their 20s and their 30s. They get bit as teenagers. And so even the Miguel's and the Jessica's and the Peter B. Parker's that are older, mm-hmm. he's still like they're all still making very adolescent identity based decisions on who am mm-hmm. I? Should I be doing this? And so I think it's an interesting uh, metaphor here when we're looking at mental and emotional wellness and how we might be a certain age, but developmentally, the way we might be coming into our decision making or our reactions. Mm-hmm might be reflective of another age. And that's something I'm noticing with all the spider people. They all, the teenagers and some of the older ones still tend to act very recklessly, selfishly, kind of- The class clowns. Yes, yes, right. They want to be funny. They want to be, you know, very uh, every man. And I think it's an interesting thing that you brought up that it's like, yeah, like there's all these events that no one's paying attention to because everyone is focused on them. I'm lonely. My universe is whoever- Mm-hmm. And then are we looking at, well, yes, it's your universe is whoever, but it's also versus something that's a little bit bigger. Is, has anyone paid attention to that? But none mm-hmm. of not even Miguel, like you said, like his decision is why we're here. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. That kind of selfish decision. And so I just think that's an interesting thing to pay attention to when we're looking at how does this be reflective of how we show up in our own mental and emotional world? Well, Right. Developmentally, oftentimes we might be reflecting another part of ourselves that's Mm -hmm. not reflective of our age or our situation, because that's a pretty traumatic thing to get bitten as a as a teenager and then have to have all that responsibility foisted upon you. And the metamorphic change, which leads so much into the other issue that also is cornerstone of what we see with Gwen's story is that aspect of in relationship with her father is the aspect of, oh, you lied to me. Yes. And even more so that sense of that dual identity, which is a, also another one of the classic tropes of superheroes is the character having the dual identity. And uh, I mean, I think Batman is one of the best examples of dealing with that identity standpoint, uh, aside from the other issues Batman has, um, with that standpoint of he thinks of himself always as Batman and Bruce Wayne is the cover identity. While flip that, Superman... Kal-El is his true identity. Clark is his cover identity. Right. right. And how do they both either stay separate and reflect those two different things about the choices they get to make? Or how do they merge together? And how is that merge working or actually still hitting that developmental issues? Yeah. Yeah. And, and even looking at for those two characters, a lot of their trauma mm-hmm. happened when they were young. Mm-hmm. And so that dual identity is also another way for them to stay safe, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I still feel like, yeah, we're, we're in that developmental space of like, I wonder, so you have someone like Bruce Wayne who loses his parents and decides to hide behind the Batman of it because mm-hmm. 
that's healthy. I can, I can do something with that, right? You have Kyle who loses his whole planet and is the epitome of being alone, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, barring all the other conversations about cousins and people that show up later on, but for mm-hmm. all intents and purposes, <laughs> right? He's the only Kryptonian, right? Mm-hmm. And so Clark Kent allows him to actually be a human. It allows mm-hmm. him to actually not be isolated, right? Whereas for Bruce Wayne, Batman allows him to be more himself, right? And so I think that's an interesting thing that for both of these characters, and I think similar characters that have trauma in their childhood, they pick identities that make them feel either more like they can do something or like they can be part of something, right? Superman has Mm -hmm. to be Clark so he can be, he can't walk around as Superman all day. No one will, you know, they'll just kind of always see him as a hero. Mm -hmm. But if he puts his glasses on and he goes to work as a journalist, he can just be everybody. He can just be part of the world. Right. Whereas Batman's like, I don't want to do that. Right. And we got, a gl- we got a glimpse of that when Miles goes to get the cakes. Ooh, yeah. He went to get the cakes dressed as Spider-Man. Would yeah. the same number of things, because they show all the things that delay him from getting to the party because he's being Spider-Man. Now, if he'd yeah. been in, yeah. quote unquote, Miles mode, would he have stopped to deal with the same number of things? Mm-hmm. He would have been right. also caught up with that, again, hero's dilemma, throw the family and the good of the fat versus the stopping the street level crime or running into the various right. things that are going on. Which is a very adolescent dilemma, right? Mm. If you look at it, adolescents are still trying to figure out who they are. So for him, what do I, what do I choose? And for, and for adolescents, I'll be honest with you, for teens, they also think a lot of times they can do it all. And so for mm-hmm. him, he's also thinking, yeah, I can go to school. I can be Spider-Man. I can get to the party yeah, because in his mind, he's Spider-Man. I can just fling around, right? I can just fling around all of, you know, New York and get everything that I need. And so he's not even aware of the fact that all of, with all of your abilities, you still have to understand how to prioritize. You still have to understand how to organize. You still have to pay attention to time. So yeah, you can hit that crime, but that takes you five blocks away from everything. You also in the opposite direction. Right. And so it's like, he's not paying attention to that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so as you think about adolescence, as you think about development, right, you have these characters who become superheroes when they're not fully able to understand the magnitude of their decisions. Right. Mm-hmm. So they just jump in thinking I'm Spider-Man or I've got all the gadgets. I'm Batman or I can fly. So mm-hmm. I'm Superman. They're not, they're not developed enough to think about what is the bigger picture here. If I do zoom in and do this, what happens, right? So if we're looking at Miles Morales in the scene, he hasn't thought all about all of these crimes that I'm stopping. That's time, mm-hmm. right? Also, I'm holding cakes that are fragile. So I'm also bopping them around mm-hmm. you know, the whole time. And so when he mm-hmm. finally gets there, not only is he late, but the cakes are all destroyed, you know, whatever. Yep. Icing and, and whatever message are gone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's over because as a teenager, even with all his superpower, he doesn't understand what is going on, how to manage all of that responsibility, how to manage all of that power. Which I would say also on the flip side, Miguel, Jessica, Peter B. Parker um, also are struggling with the flip side of that, even though they're adults. Yes, they I mean, that even yes, the aspect of when he has a conversation with Mary Jane about you brought our baby to a chase. Right. Again, like this is not the first time. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. 
And then, and then we see Jessica Drew, she's literally pregnant. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not right. saying you should not do your thing, but it's like, okay, where are priorities? Like, where are we in our mindset? Not thinking that as a spider person, you could do everything, but mm-hmm. should you? Right. Exactly. And so, yes, you could always get that next crime or get that next mission, but is this important? Is this mm-hmm. the right idea here? And I won't mm-hmm. even go into right or right because I kind of like the gray area that spider mm-hmm. people tend to stay in. Because that's why I think if we go back to just canon events, I think this is why they happen. It's like spider people are constantly in this idea of what's priority, what's priority, what's priority, mm-hmm. right? What's priority? And when they make the decision that is this, then we get this canon event. Uncle Ben passes, mm-hmm. right? Or when they make a decision as this, then we get this canon event, right? This Spider-Man becomes the prowler instead, or this Miles mm-hmm. becomes the prowler instead. Or they and get so cloned. <laughs> or they get cloned. Right. Um, and so when you look at all these spider people, you've got the teenage ones or the, the adolescent ones kind of making mm-hmm. the same type of reckless decisions that the older ones do because they're all spider people. They all mm-hmm. have this sense of I can do that thing. I, I can do that mission or I can hit that mm-hmm. next crime and still be home mm-hmm. for dinner. Still, you know, make sure Mayday gets to bed on time. Still mm-hmm. get my parents cake for the retire. I mean, for the you know promotion party. They, they all have that same idea mm-hmm. that I can do this without the awareness of should I do this? Is this the right time to do this? Is this the right opportunity to do this? And mm-hmm. I think that's something that we see throughout their decisions as spider people, especially when they're all together. And they all go chasing after him, leaving yes. him able to get back into the, the base. Which, uh, which, uh, which brings another question to Miles that he is, Obviously, because he's not like all the other spider people, he's able to kind of exploit that, mm-hmm. exploit that, that desire for spider Chase. people to go after one thing, right? Mm-hmm. He's able to exploit that, that flaw in, in a spider mm-hmm. person's motivation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, that's all going back to the MCU. There was one of the things that was also yeah. talked about that was suggested with Tom Holland's um, Spider-Man is that he's also mimicking a lot of the qualities that would happen with neurodiverse individuals that ability sometimes to hyper fixate yeah yeah it's a, yeah that's an interesting thing and i and i kind of appreciate that because i think that is a spider person's mindset because they have these abilities they believe that i can fix this right and so if you think about no way home that's his whole mm-hmm. thing i can fix this i can i can fix each of these people and get them back to their universe right no matter what everyone else is saying, right? This Miles feels the same way, right? I can do this. I can fix this. I, I can save my dad and, and not make it a canon event or not, right? Mm-hmm. That's the big, the big scale that you were talking about at the top. But then mm-hmm. we also think about what you just said, right? That this is kind of part of what it looks like to exist in the world sometimes, right? That sometimes we do have this, right? So if you are on the spectrum, that's part of who you are, right? But I think mm-hmm. that's just part of who we are as people, right? Mm-hmm. That we do sometimes get so fixated on our jobs, on our hobbies, on our parenting, that we kind mm-hmm. of miss these bigger pieces of whatever's going on. Or right? the next achievement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Or we even miss that things might be okay right now and nothing needs to be happening. Like we've actually gotten to a space of equilibrium that nothing mm-hmm. needs to be moved right now. 
Well, especially when we have those, and we see it, especially with our clients, you are always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. They can't, if everything's actually going well, they're constantly looking for something to go wrong. And that hypervigilance, therefore, whatever it is that's going to go wrong to the point where they will even create what will go wrong, Mm. becoming the villain of their own story, even for just a moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that we see reflected here in in spider people's kind of own thing that they are so fixated on fixing whatever it is, the the canon event, the universe, that they Mm -hmm. end up becoming their own villains. Mm-hmm. Right, they end up becoming their own saboteur, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, Gwen is so fixated on one thing that she misses her friends bullying. She misses what's going on. Then this happens, and it's kind of like, yeah. So you were like living this double life, and you missed something that you actually could have been a part of or could have supported. Right, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that, if we're talking about clients and and where they are in our mental health journey, that's often what mental health becomes this ability to sit with what's going on and not feel like you've got to do the next thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have gotten to the end of it. Instead of saying what's next, really kind of sitting, can I sit? And what does that feel like to sit there? Right. And I think that's that mental health journey that we see with people. But I also think that's what happens with spider people. They have a very hard time sitting in. Mm-hmm. I can't fix this or this needs more support. Right. They often get dinged from people by saying, you didn't ask for support. You didn't ask for support. You didn't ask for support because they Mm -hmm. question the things by themselves. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes I talk to clients about that where I talk about like, yeah, this is something that you've done, but you weren't by yourself, right? You weren't in the vacuum. There's a larger, you know, thing here, even if it's society, right? That's around you, right? It's it's a bigger kind of space. Mm -hmm. And so to bring me back to kind of, of this idea that I think oftentimes spider people, right, often feel like they've got to fix it, which starts this whole chain of events because they have a hard time sitting with, where am I right now? Mm -hmm. Is it fixed? Can I fix it? Should I fix it? (laughs) And I think our clients get caught in that cycle too. Oftentimes, Mm -hmm. well, okay, everything's fine. And you're like, right, so let's sit and everything's fine. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And then they're off to the races with, well, what if that happens? Right? And I think that's what we see with spider people. What if you fix it? What What if? What if? Instead of sitting with, huh, I think we're fine right now, <laughs> right? What, what, what's going on here? Well, I even laughed there as you said, what if, which is the entire Marvel's alternate universe storyline compared to elsewhere in D- DC. Yes, what if? Which, <laughs> with, yeah, which I think that's a lovely segue into the other major character we see here, who I think actually is probably a counter to everything we've been talking about, is Hobie. Yeah. Spider-Punk. Yeah, yeah. I think he might have been my my favorite newest Spider-Person introduced here because, mm-hmm. number one, I love Daniel Kaluuya. He, mm-hmm. he can do no wrong. I love him. <laughs> but I love his whole, Spider-Punk's whole, you know, just, you know, middle finger to the system mm-hmm. approach to life, right? I, I really appreciate him because I think you're right. He goes against all of that, right? All mm-hmm. of that. No matter what someone says, he's always like, yeah. Yeah, hyping them up. Go for it. Do it. You know, break mm-hmm. the system. Don't worry about what's going on. See what's different. And I like that because I feel like in whatever kind of cycle this is, you always need someone who's the catalyst. You need someone mm-hmm. who says, do something different. 
Mm-hmm. Don't keep doing the same thing. Break out of the cycle. And I feel like that's what Spider-Punk continues to do. From the moment he shows up, even as he's mentioned, he starts to mess up things, right? Mm-hmm. Because once uh, Miles realized that Gwen was hanging out with him, Hobie, who's this Hobie? Who's Hobie? Right? We spent the mm-hmm. whole movie realizing that Hobie is this kind of sore. Mm-hmm. You know, what's, what's, the, what's the euphemism? He's kind of this thorn in everybody's side already, right? Like he's already there before we meet him messing up the the relationship between Miles and Gwen. He's already Mm. kind of like this mysterious character. Who's Hobie? And then you meet him. That everybody loves. Yeah, yeah. Who is this guy? (laughs) Who is he? And then you meet him. And you do love him because he's really about get away from this stuff. Nothing that they're saying is they're telling you the truth. Think for yourself. Kind of be what I think Miles already is. But I think mm-hmm. Spider-Punk is giving him permission to be like, yeah, ask questions, man. You're doing the right thing. See what's going on. Poke a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right? Even the fact that he gave them the, the wristband to go back and get him out of his universe. Mm-hmm. Right? He's like, I'm not mm-hmm. in it anymore. I'm out of it. I got kicked out of it because I won't follow the rules. But here's my wristband. You know, you can go ahead and do it. And so mm-hmm. I love his character for that, for, for the reason that we've been talking about. I think we've been talking a lot about cycles and how things kind of never get to an end because we don't know how to end it. And then you've got a character here who keeps saying, break the system, poke a break hole. The cycle. Yeah. Don't keep doing the same thing. Right. He's just mm-hmm. saying that every time he's talking, that's pretty much what he's saying. And so I really appreciate that character to what we've been sharing, because I mm-hmm. think those type of characters, interestingly enough, I know this might be very uh, self praise here, but I think therapists kind of become the, the homies. To a lot of our clients, mm. <laughs> right? We encourage them to break those those narratives that they keep repeating. We encourage them to look at a cycle that's repeating to see mm-hmm. if they still want it to be that way, right? We kind of give them their own wristbands mm-hmm. to do the things that they want to do, and so I, that's why I think I connect with this character because I think as therapists on people's mental health journeys, that's what we're doing. We're saying, look at this a little bit differently, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want this cycle to keep going? Is this the narrative you want to keep playing in your head, right? And I feel like we kind of get to be spider punks <laughs> to our clients, right? We get to support them and being like, think about this, sit here with this before you decide again, right? We mentioned sometimes our clients can feel like they're going to go back and do it. Well, we get to be hopeless. We get to say, are you sure you'd like to mm-hmm. do that again? Is Think about that. We've done this before, right? We've seen this before, right? What else would you like to do instead? And so that's one of the reasons why I like him because he's doing that to the spider people. He's one of the mm-hmm. few spider people that are like, you don't really have to do this. You can do something else. Which is also what Miles is saying. He's like, there are some other choices. And because of who he is, there will be other choices that he gets to take that others won't. Although I think also we're there's a way that they're underselling Hobie's ability. I'm not going to tell you to say it's predicting, but his inability to recognize that or, or the, that he's actually thinking a couple of steps ahead. He knew to go and drop his band off for Gwen to use. That he could see what Gwen would actually do when actually given that other choice. Yeah. Yeah. I might even and, say, can he see or does he like just like kind of being that devil's advocate for lack of a better term? He kind of just like wants to be that catalyst. So mm-hmm. to speak, right? Like if I just say, like, I feel like a lot of times he'll just say, <clears throat> he'll agree with someone 
in the scene just so that way they'll continue on with whatever their speech is. Like, yeah, go for it, brother. Like, keep mm-hmm. going, you know? And so I feel like a lot of times he becomes like a catalyst, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So like in what you're sharing, I think he can see that if I do something, if I set a spark, if I do something, they will have to make a different decision, right? That they'll have to do something different. If I leave them this wristband, they'll have to make a different decision. If I support this person or say, yes, yeah, speak up, they'll mm-hmm. make a different decision. He kind of keeps being that catalyst. He let Gwen stay with him, right? When she mm-hmm. was kind of not figuring out where she was, she was like, hey, he was like, yeah, come stay with me. Figure yourself out, right? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of appreciate that he is this catalyst for these spider people. He keeps just kind of egging them on or agreeing with them or giving them permission to say what they want to say. Oh, yeah. Well, even too, when he reminds Miles, is like, use your full palm. Right, right, right. So he can use his full power, not just a little bit of it, the fullness mm-hmm, of his power. Mm-hmm. Which then let's also just touch slightly on the aspect of what is punk, punk culture? Mm-hmm. And what was it a, a reaction or how it came into ex- existence in our histories and so forth. And when I think about punk, I know most talk about the music and so forth. But for me, it's more cyberpunk. So uh-huh. I go much more to like uh, Blade Runner and so forth when I think of punk as opposed to the music, the plaid and the Mohawks and all of that. Uh, right. But that sense of the standpoint of breaking against this sort of structured system that's going to keep feeding in on itself, that's going to keep maintaining itself to stay at a status quo that doesn't allow anything to grow and change. That doesn't allow for chaos. Well, not so much chaos, but that potential, because I know there's one thing I've often said to clients, fear is there to keep us safe, but it can also keep us from growing. Yeah, yeah. And I think what you talk about that punk culture is that is that catalyst to say there's something else. Look deeper. Don't just accept right what's there. Ask questions, right? And so I think it's it's an interesting thing that you took it there too from that music aspect. Because I definitely think about mm-hmm. music, right? But then there's also a whole culture, right? So again, mm-hmm. beyond the music or the the aesthetics of it, there is this whole idea of questioning, asking more questions, diving deeper, maybe looking at are these cycles still working? And if not, why are we still going along with it then? Right. And mm-hmm. so he becomes that voice throughout the movie, right. Where it's like, speak up or yeah. He just kind of agrees <laughs> with whoever is going against the establishment. Right. So mm-hmm. like, well, I don't want to do this. He's like, yeah, me neither. Right. And he goes along with it. He's just kind of always there to be that catalyst. If you want to be that kind of push. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speak up. Yeah. Ask another question. Yeah. Why is that? Right. Mm-hmm, even like mm-hmm. I said, we keep going back to it, but even the fact that he had this idea to make sure that they have a way to get him, right? To to be able to hop universes because he gets kicked out. Or I think he quits, I forget. I think he just goes in yeah, and he quits because quit. he's like, Yeah, he quits, right? Because he's like, I don't want to keep doing this, whatever this is. And I appreciate that because that is, I think, exactly what punk culture is. It's what that whole establishment is. It's like it's against whatever the system is, especially if that system is broken. Or if that system is exclusive, right? And it's keeping mm-hmm. people out and it's keeping people from being able to be a part of that system. Which the entire spider society, let's just go call it that, that Miguel's built is this aspect of everyone's in there except for Miles. Except for Miles. Except for They even let Hobie in, but they were going to keep Miles out. 
yeah. as being the anomaly, as being the thing that was so different that they couldn't let him in, even though yeah. the one who, again, not because he chose to do something, someone else chose to do something, and he dealt with the reaction to it, or which put him in the right place in the right time for a second Spider-Man to exist mm-hmm. in that universe. Mm-hmm. And, and interestingly enough, mm-hmm. that sounds like gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. Which has also been one of the most difficult things we have, as you and I know, as Blurds, have dealt with the aspect of the gatekeeping in the, our fandoms. Yes. Ooh, yes. Yeah. So it's very reminiscent of that. I think that like, if you think about how Miles gets kicked out, even not kicked out, but even in the first movie, he has mm-hmm. to fight to get into the little spider group where they're like, no, you're not ready. No, you're not ready yet. You mm-hmm. know? And so it's like this, this kind of gatekeeping in the spider verse, right. Of who makes the right Spider-Man, who gets to be Spider-Man. Right, mm-hmm. even and you mentioned it right that even this Miles in his universe wasn't supposed to be Spider Man. He already had a Spider Man. Right, mm-hmm. there was already a Spider Man there. Unfortunately, that Spider Man did pass, but he, there was already one there. And so mm-hmm. the fact that he even became a Spider Man was an anomaly. Right, he wasn't really supposed to be a Spider Man. And so now that he's part of the Spider the Spider Society, the Spider Verse, right, watching this gatekeeping of weren't supposed to be here. Why did you bring mm-hmm. him? all the hoops that Gwen goes through to try to get him in and try to even get him, mm-hmm. you know, established as it, it'll be interesting to see how they discuss that and why he's such an anomaly, why there's all this gatekeeping, so to speak about his particular spike mm-hmm. person, not being a part of it, mm-hmm. which we see so, clients a lot. Oh yes. We definitely see that. And especially when that it also means that they'll end up having to put distance between structures that were supposed to, that have been uh, identity building, like some cases, you have to put some distance between toxic family members. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not because you don't want to, not because you don't love them, but that toxicity poisons everything. Right. Yes. And I think that's what we're seeing, right? That that idea of like when people are that toxic, it, it kind of messes up the whole spider break, right? That mm-hmm. it's just that one person who decides right miguel no this is how it's going to go it becomes really toxic in there right mm-hmm. like so much so you've got this faction who now has to break off to do something about it mm-hmm. right? they have to literally break off and, and i love that the ones from the first one you know you got uh spider Moore, come back spider ham right mm-hmm. these penny spider parker. people penny parker right these spider people now have to break off from whatever this established spider society system is now that's become really toxic because of how miguel leads it mm-hmm. and the addition of the new ones with spider bite our indian spider-man which i'd love to give him yeah. a different name than just indian spider-man right, right, right. Uh, but that standpoint of just having these other places and where it goes yeah so we're definitely gonna have to come back after when we get the second half of this and see what's going on and as we pick and find the other mental health components there yeah, because I think that's a place where we it's, I think it's about time for us to wrap up for this episode. Sounds good to me. Likewise. So stay tuned for our part two when the next movie comes out. And uh, be, uh, enjoy your fantasy, enjoy your science fiction. Be the best blurred, be the best. Uh, I'm not even going to try and start figuring out what it would mean for you to be a Latino nerd. I'm not going to figure out what it means for you to be a Middle Eastern nerd. 
but you get the idea. You got your term, find it, take it, live with it. And we're also here in solidarity of let's just enjoy the experience. So, Mercedes, till next time. See you, everybody. All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.